like a really heavy, like a, a tenderness about the way worship was going this morning. And the Holy Spirit was, there was just such a softness in the mood this morning. And um, I felt that, I don't know who this is for, but we are supposed to get, I just, I just felt that I needed to say that you need to give yourself over to that peace. Um, whatever fear, anxiety you may be carrying with you, lay it at his feet this morning because he desires to care for you. He desires to provide your every need. So just lay it at his feet like we were singing that song, rely on his grace because it's more than enough. Amen. Very good. Glory to God. Well, thank God we can receive those things. Well, if any of you are wondering, was Pastor talking about me when he says not everybody can receive? Don't you worry about it. Get yourself in a position. You can get yourself in a position where you can always be ready to receive. You can also do some things that close that down. Don't do it. Lord, God, God, wants, God wants to give things to us. He wants to do things for us. We're going to be finishing up this little mini-series we were doing on the spirit of Antichrist. And we're going to be moving around in the Bibles again today. We're going to start over in 1 John. But there was a guy who saw a sign in the front of a house that said, uh, talking dog for sale. <laughs> so he rang the doorbell and the owner of the house answered and he says, uh, you have a talking dog for sale? He says, yes, I do. I said, I have to see that to believe it. He said, that's fine. Go in the backyard. The dog's in the backyard. So he went around to the backyard and he, he uh, looked at the dog and just some kind of a mutt. There's no thoroughbred. Just uh, It's just a mutt. And so he said, are you the talking dog? He says, yep. <laughs> he says, so what's your story? He says, well, I discovered my talent pretty early on, and I wanted to help the government, so I uh, mentioned my talent to the CIA, and they were pretty enthusiastic about it, and so they drafted me into service, and they flew me all around the world. And I was in all kinds of meetings with high-up officials and, and world leaders, and uh, they never suspected that a dog would be listening in. And so I would listen in to the conversations that would go on, and I would report them back to my authorities and I did that for eight years but you know traveling around the world that long it gets kind of tiring and so after about eight years I asked for another assignment and so then they uh they had me work out in some of the local airports and so I would walk around the airports and I would listen to some suspicious characters and find out what's going on I got some uh some good scores though we we took down some big big time operations got a bunch of medals but then I retired completely and uh you know got married had a couple of puppies and so, and so he just totally impressed the man. And so he went back inside to the owner and he says, you're really selling that dog? He says, yeah, I am. How much? He says, 10 bucks. Ten, $10, that dog is amazing. How do you sell that dog for $10? Easy. The dog's a liar. You can't believe anything he says. <laughs> well, dog had some character issues. He had some things wrong with the inside of him. We're going to find some things out about this spirit, what it wants to do on the inside of us. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is God, or is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and is now already in the world. So we've been talking about this spirit of Antichrist that is here. 
that was present during Jesus' day, we saw was present in the Old Testament. And the spirit of Antichrist is a spirit that is against Christ. It is trying to stop the things that Christ is uh, trying to do or embarking to do, the goals of Christ. It's not the opposite of Christ. It is a spirit that is against Christ. So just keep that in mind, because sometimes we think whatever Christ is, the Antichrist is just the opposite. That's not the way that it works. Sometimes the spirit of Antichrist mimics the Spirit of God in a pur- for the purpose of stopping what the Spirit of God wants to do. So in the last couple of weeks, we saw that the Spirit of Antichrist has not come upon or worked through a large number of people, but focuses on those with great callings or great influence or power over a great number of people. The methods are, first off, it deceives, it disguises intentions, it discredits falsely those who expose and oppose, it divides, it silences, it usurps, it controls and dominates. And lastly, we just put a little note there, it's capable of great acts of selfishness. And we looked at examples of all these things in the Word of God the first week we took this up. We saw it in action. It looks for an opportunity, usually around an offense or a fear. With Judas, Pharaoh, and Herod, we saw some of the opportunities he took, the spirit of Antichrist took with them around offense and fear. We spent a lot of time on Absalom, who was offended over the episode with his sister. It then makes plans. It is not. It is a spirit that is not in a hurry. It will take its time. And for Absalom, it took two years. And then it gets into aggression. Once divisions are made with sufficient numbers, it will become aggressive to accomplish its purpose. But it's, it uh, lays the, the footwork. It lays the groundwork. Spends a lot of time doing that. Last week, we looked at environment. That the spirit of Antichrist comes to create a particular environment. Its method, the goal of the spirit is to cause the gospel of Jesus Christ to be difficult to preach, promote, or accept. It is, it, um, so it will move on those who can sway public opinion against it. And there's a couple of ways that we notice in the Bible. Well, two of these ways we saw in the Bible. One wasn't really present so much. But some of the ways that it moves through the leaders, is first off those who can make speeches. We saw speeches in the Bible that were given that motivated the Spirit or motivated the people to do what the Spirit was saying. Media, written, audio, or video. You didn't see that so much in the Bible, but that is something that has uh, certainly gone down as these media, these opportunities came about. And laws. And last week we looked at a number of laws that were made. People who could make laws, make laws to facilitate or to change the environment to create what this spirit wanted to create. We saw, we looked at Pharaoh and the law about the straw. Remember, he made the law. You're not going to get straw anymore. You're going to make bricks. You're going to make the same number of bricks. The purpose of the law was not for the production of bricks. The purpose of the law was stated to stop them from listening to the message that God had for them. To stop them from respecting their authorities and Moses. And it worked too, didn't it? They came out from that meeting. They were mad with Moses. And they didn't want to listen to Moses anymore. And this is one of the things that it will do. It will create laws that make it difficult for the Bible, for the word to be preached, promoted, or accepted. So we saw that with Pharaoh. We looked at Daniel. There was a law made about prayer. The purpose of the law was not anything about supplications being made to, to uh, deities. That's what it was, that's what it was stated. Again, they disguised their intentions. They don't say what it's about. The purpose of the law was to get rid of Daniel because Daniel, a man of God, 
who could not be compromised, was being considered to be put over the entire realm. And we cannot have that because that person would stop the spirit of Antichrist from being able to do what it needed to do. So we need to get rid of this guy. So we need to discredit him. They went about and they tried to find something in his life they could discredit him with. And the word of God tells us that there was nothing. Nothing could be found to discredit him at all. That's amazing, isn't it? So they made up this law. And it didn't change Daniel at all. Daniel kept on going. He kept doing the same things. Kept going the same way. But again, they disguised their intentions. And Daniel wasn't going to be moved. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his three buddies, we saw that law was created if the uh, king decided to make the statue of gold and everyone was going to bow down to it. And the law created an atmosphere of peer pressure and the desire came up inside of people to squeal and report on those who didn't comply, even though they may have been brethren. And so, you know them, of course, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But they didn't bow down. And what does the people do? Hey, we got some people here. They're not bowing down. It's, they're not hurting you because they're not bowing down. But see, this is what this spirit creates. This is what it tries to do. It does it through leaders. It does it through people of influence. It does it through people with great callings. It's not just kings and presidents and senators and such like that. It's also ministers of the gospel. It's also people who can create great influence in those areas that can stop the gospel message from going forward the way that God intended it. So the first thing we looked at was environment. This is the first thing it's going to try and affect. But it's affecting the environment we live in for a purpose. That brings us to our second part here. The purpose, after altering the environment, the next goal is to affect character. It's to affect character. The second area the Spirit affects us in is in our character. Once the environment is created, the goal is for it to have an effect on us so that what's on the outside alters what's on the inside. How does God change us? From the inside out. How does Satan's kingdom try and change us? From the outside in. That's their method. The number of character issues that can be affected are numerous. Please understand, there's a whole lot. I, I could be here for a month of Sundays going through all how this affects all of them. But instead of doing that, I pulled out the top five. This is not exclusive. There are more besides. I may make mention of some of the other ones that you can get into. But we're just going to go over the top five, how it affects them. The first one, the most, I mean, you can guess what the first most important thing is, right? Love. I mean, that is the most important character trait in the Word of God is operating in the God kind of love. The most important. Faith operates by love. The greatest of these is love. That's the best. That's the number one thing. If you fall out of the love of God, you are in trouble. So the first thing, the most important thing, the top thing on the list here is love. First Thessalonians 5 and 13 says, And to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake, but it, at peace, be at peace among you, brethren. Esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake. Sometimes we try and esteem leaders and people in the body of Christ because of what they have done for us. But the purpose of it is to esteem them because of the work's sake. Let's go on here. First Timothy 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. For the love of money. See, we're trying to get you to fall in love with something else. 
Don't fall in love with the gospel. Don't fall in love with the things of God. Fall in love. Look at the, what money can do. And how many times have we seen Christians, have we seen Christian leaders who have fallen in love with money? Understand, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Just because people have money doesn't mean that they're in love with it. There's a whole lot of people who have no money who love it. You don't have to have money to love it. You can have it and not love it. You can have it and love it. It makes no difference how much money you have. What matters is, do you possess a love for money or a love for God? 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. That's giving you a whole lot of characteristics right there that this spirit will try and instill in people. We're going to show you why it instills them. Lovers of themselves. God doesn't want you to be a lover of yourself. He wants you to be to love others as you love yourself. Understand, God never says you have to hate yourself. You can love yourself, but love others as much as you love yourself. That's all. But if you don't love yourself, how much are you going to love other people? And you're not going to do a very good job of it, are you? People who know, who have a good, healthy love of themselves are in the best position to love other people. People go around saying, well, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I'm no good. They're not in a position to love other people. Get yourself in a position to love other people. Understand, I can love myself. I can have some love for myself. That's okay. Love for yourself causes you to take care of yourself. Causes you to invest in yourself. Causes you to do some things, to put some self, some things into yourself. So that you have the ability to go out and put them into other people. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. When you hear people talking about all that they have done. I have done this and I have done that and I have done this and I have done that. Just understand, they are a little too in love with themselves. That's not the direction we want to go. Disobedient to parents. Why are they disobedient to parents? Because I am in love with myself and no one else measures up. Including my parents. They need to get caught up with where I'm at. Unthankful. Why? Because I love myself and whatever happens to me, it should happen. If you did something nice to me, well, you should have. Unthankful. Isn't this what unthankful people do? We have more to get on than that in just a little bit, but we're just covering the love part of it here right now. Jude chapter 1, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. Keep yourself. If, if it's telling us to keep ourselves in the love of God, there must be forces at work to try and get you out of the love of God. Your responsibility is to keep yourself in the love of God. Please understand this. No one... There's not a soul on this earth who is powerful enough to pull you out of the love of God. You do it yourself. There is not a soul out there. Don't sit there and blame it on other people. There is no one who can. Yeah, but you don't know what doesn't matter. There's not a soul out there who is powerful enough to pull you out of the love of God. Only you can do it. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. If it had anything to do with anybody else, he would have told us, wouldn't he? He didn't say that. He said, you keep yourself in the love of God. So there's something we have to do. But the environment is being created to get you to fall in love with yourself, do what you need to do for yourself, do, uh, do, and forget other people. Other people are against you. When they create this atmosphere, they get to know, well, there's this group and then there's this group and we don't like that group. We don't like the rich people because we're poor people. 
Well, we're rich people. We don't like the poor people because they're trying to get our money. We separate into groups. We separate into groups of, well, we're in the city. Well, we're in the suburbs. Well, we don't like people in the city. Well, we don't like people in the suburbs. Why? I don't know. It's just what we're supposed to do. That's, that's ridiculous. That's not something to do. You know, you, we're not supposed to dislike somebody just because they show up with a Dallas Cowboy shirt. It is hard. I understand that. <laughs> you, you can have Dallas Cowboy fans and, and have great fellowship with them. As long as you don't get divided into groups. All right, they're a little misguided, but it's okay. You can get in there and help them out. <laughs> Somebody shows up with a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey. They're in a whole other league right there, I'll tell you. That's just... No, we're just messing with you. See, we, but the whole the, the environment is created to try and get people to be separated into groups. This group is against you because they have this. Why are they against you? They don't even know you. Why, why do you say that? Well, that's what I've been told. That's what I, I believe. Don't fall into that. Keep yourself in the love of God. So the number, number one thing that's going to come after is your love walk. Keep yourself in it. Number two thing is faith. You don't get saved without faith. Faith is important. Love is the most important because faith works by love. But after love comes faith. In Acts chapter 26, verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. Where does, the, where does the darkness come from? Satan. When we follow after darkness, we follow after... We don't know that. <laughs> but we, we follow after darkness, we follow after Satan. You follow after light, you follow after God. That's all there is to it. It's simple. But he says here at the end, forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Not by works. We're sanctified by faith. So the spirit of Antichrist wants to come in and try and get you to do good works. Because if he can get you to do that, he moves you off of faith and gets you into works. We try and go over this with you all the time. You are not healed because of your goodness. You are not healed because of anything that you have done. You are healed because of the power that's in the name of Jesus and because of the work that he did on the cross. If we try and access healing, if we try and access anything that we need to receive from God, wisdom from God, whatever it might be, if we try and access those things based on, well, look at what I have done, we're going to fail. But the devil doesn't care that you go after these things. He doesn't care that you pursue these things. He doesn't care that you pursue good works. What he's concerned about is don't go after the things that God wants through faith. Go after it through works. Because he knows that will fail. And then your faith will fail. So that's the goal. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Or the margin, as you all know, says, Have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. That's what you should have. Our faith should be his kind of faith, not man's kind of faith. That's what we have to mimic. That's what we have to go after.
Acts 14, verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Now, we're, we're catching some of these things in the middle. I tried to spread them out, but sometimes it's just with, you know, we, we could put three or four verses in there. We get distracted in it too much, and we won't cover this whole thing. Strengthening the, you, but the references are there. Go on back there and read some more of it. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Well, we don't always like to hear that, do we? But exhorting them to continue in the faith because there are forces that will try and come against you to get you to stop. And now you won't always just stop all at once. It wants to get you to stop gradually. And so he wants to try and divert your attention, divert your love, divert your faith, get you more on a works consciousness and get you out of this. But we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Your faith, when you walk in faith, when you walk in love, you are putting a bullseye on your back. The devil's looking for you. There's a person with faith. Let's get them. Because that's what he needs to do. Now, we're talking... Brandon was talking about movies and such things. How many of you, earlier, how many of you have, have seen some movies and you see some of those guys in the movies and they jump out in the midst of fire? The bad guys, they had the machine guns. They've got like 10 machine guns and they're all firing at the one guy. And he decides to get up from the place where he is. He's hiding behind a car. They always hide behind cars. They shoot up some of the best looking cars too. You know, it's, it's just it's a shame. They're hiding behind the car. He decides for some reason that I'll have a better shot if I leave being behind the car here and run over to this car. Because then, of course, we can shoot up that car. So the hero of the, the thing, he runs from, you all know what movies I'm talking about, right? You've seen these scenes. He runs from this car over to this car, and there are 10 guys with machine guns firing at him. And they all miss. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if you have a, a, a handgun and you're trying to aim one shot at a time. I understand that you may not be the best at that. I've shot a handgun. I can get close on... Yeah, Christian and I, we've gone shooting together, and uh, he's better at it than I am. He hits the target a lot better than I do. <laughs> you know, sometimes I missed the, we don't even know where it went. You know, it's, it's not on the, it didn't make a hole. <laughs> it didn't make the paper, didn't make the hole in the paper. But he does pretty good. I don't see his, uh, his misses too much, unless sometimes it goes through a hole that he'd already, you know, he made a bigger hole, he's gone through it. So he's a, he's a much better shot than I am. If, you know, we have one gun, he's going to have it. If we have two guns, I'll take the second one. But if you got one gun, I'm giving it to Christian. You go, I'll, I'll help you, but you, you shoot. Because <laughs> he knows more of a chance he's going to hit the target. But <laughs> anyway, these guys got machine guns. All you got to do is aim it in the general area and move it around a little bit. And you should be able to hit something. <laughs> but no, 10 guys shooting at the one guy. You know, 24 was one of the worst ones with this. I mean, they just never got them. How many ever watched the, the real A-team? The real A-team. I mean, there were so many guns and, and so many bullets fired, but no one died ever in the show. No one ever died in the A-team. The original show, the A-team, no one ever died. It was part of the, the people. When they were supposed to do it, no one's going to die. So no one died. Bullets all over the place, stuff blowing up. Nobody dies. But anyway, you've got to be wondering, if you're the hero, you are drawing attention to yourself. People are going to fire at you. Yes, they are. But don't worry. The word of God tells us right here. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So don't worry about it. Let them fire all they want to. You've got Holy Spirit Kevlar on. They can fire. The devil can fire all he wants to at you to try and take you down. It's all right. You don't have to go down. 
You can be just like that. You don't have to run from the one car to the other. You can just walk. I'm going to go over here now. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you can't do nothing about it unless you think he can. Because fear is a, is a great inroad for him. Let's go on Romans 1, 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is as, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So he, if he can get you, the just, to stop living by faith, what happens? You're no longer just. You're now working for your righteousness and that won't get you very far. The just shall live by faith. Thank God it's that way. That's why we have an assurance. I hope, you know, if we say that right now, how many of you, let's do that. How many of you know, if you died today, how many of you are going to heaven? You know it. If I die today, I know. And you should. You should know. The whole Bible is about assurance of salvation, not wondering. I should never wonder. If I, as I get closer to that day, we, we spent a, a little bit of time a few weeks ago talking about how to end this life. And uh, how to go home in a good way. And um, you should. When we get to that day, we shouldn't be hanging on to life. We say, Father God, glory to God, I get to move on to the next one. And be glad. And know, I know where I'm going. I know. I don't wonder. I don't, did I do enough good things? No. It's because of what Jesus did, so I know I'm going. The just shall live by faith. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also we also we have through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. That means we have an assurance of where we're going. It talks about grace. That's how you get into the grace of God. First Corinthians two, verse four. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of his glory which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The rulers of his age, they did some things that if they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't have done it. (laughs) But they did it. See, the rulers of this age, they don't know really what's going on. They don't know the plan of God. Not At least not in Paul's day. Thank God we sometimes get some rulers that that do know the plan of God. We've had some rulers throughout history that did know the plan of God. But my speech and my preaching are not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. God wants to come through us and work with power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. It is real easy for the devil to get in and get your faith off of the wisdom of God and onto the wisdom of men because men will come and they will tell you ways that you can access God. This is where that spirit of Antichrist infects the church. Because people are trying to get you in instead of having faith with God. Now, have faith in what I'm telling you. Do it this way. I know it's not in the Bible, but do it this way. Don't do it. It's got to be in the Bible. It's got to be in the Word. Look for some people to demonstrate it. One more verse here. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
This is only a handful of the scriptures that talk about this, but we are to live by faith. And so the devil's going to come against that. So the environment is created that people who live by faith are going to feel bad. How many of y'all know going over to work and saying, I'm believing God that I'm healed? What's that going to, what kind of a result is that going to produce? Y'all pretty much know what it's going to do, right? What kind of a freak are you? Man, you're a nut. You're one of those crazy people. You're going to come in here next, next week and shoot us all? They'll do this because, you know, this is, this is crazy behavior. We all know that that's, that's there. And so the peer pressure is to stop you from doing that. Well, first off, we're going to get you to stop telling people that you're believing God for those things. And then eventually we can wear you away to the point where you won't even believe. Just live by faith. Number three, the third one. And right now I'm going in order of importance. This is, this is after faith. You need this. You all can guess what it is? Hope. Now I'll buy these three. Faith, hope, and love. Well, that's our top three right there. But faith, we need faith, and you need hope. Thus God determining to show, uh, Hebrews 6, verse 17, thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. God has set a hope before us that we are to pursue. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. This hope that you have from God is your anchor. It is steadfast. If you know what you have coming, it's not here yet, but I am hoping for it. I see it through the eyes of faith. Faith that it's, it's the target of faith. It's what hope is. But that, is your, that makes you steadfast. That is your anchor. If the enemy can get in and twist that hope, he can get you. Remember how he got a hold of Adam and Eve? Has God really said that's all he's got to do. Get you, get you to question. Has God really promised you that? Has God really promised you that? He's going to challenge that hope. He's going to get you to fall off of that hope. And if he does, he's taking away your anchor. What happens to a ship in a storm when it was anchored and if it lost its anchor? It's now going to go whatever way the storm has taken it. It may not be a good thing. The anchor is there to hold you. Steady in these kind of times. Goes on in verse 20. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7, verse 18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. There is a better hope. Hebrews talks about this hope a whole lot. You can get in there and, and check it out some more. Y'all note in your outline, make sure you have two pages. I did two pages. I was thinking about condensing it all down to one, but I thought, well, if I do that, you're going to have to write a lot more. So I'm trying to make it so you don't have to write a whole lot. So we gave you two pages of stuff here. So hopefully you can just kind of sit back and listen. But I want you to go on home and check some of this stuff out. Because again, we're only scratching the surface. We could be on this topic for another 
month at least. First uh, Peter one twenty one for through him who through for who nah, who through him believed in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Your faith and your hope are in God. But the but the purpose of the spirit of Antichrist is to get your hope in another direction. Instead of believing that Jesus Christ is our healer, we they, they get our hope to believe, well, without medicine, I'm going to die. Without health insurance, I won't live. Health insurance does not guarantee you're going to be alive. It doesn't do anything like that at all. But see, you switch your hope. That's the whole idea. Switch your hope. He's trying to get people to switch to hope from going out there and finding a job and getting uh, income to just sit on home and let the government send you a check. Changes your hope. Patience. It's the next one. And it's the fourth in importance as well. Patience. First Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3. Who give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our, in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, Labor of love and patience of hope. Hope is great, but if you do not learn spiritual patience, you will leave the hope that God has given you. Patience means, all right, I am hoping for this and I will patiently wait for it to get here all the while believing it is mine. Patience is important. There's a whole lot of people who don't learn patience. How many of you know people that don't learn patience in the natural? And we have had some things go on to kind of mess with our patience in, in that area. How many of you remember computers when you would turn the thing on and you would get what was called a C-prompt? Anybody remember a C-prompt? All right, a few people remember a C-prompt. Some of you folks, when you got going on the thing, Windows was it. I was back when the C-Prompt was there. I had Windows version 1. And Windows version 1 was useless. It was completely useless. Windows version 2, completely useless. Version 2.1 did nothing to help you out at all. In fact, you would open it and then you would close it and you go do your other stuff. It wasn't until Windows 3.1 that they finally got something that worked. Sort of. It had at least some... Help, help with some memory, some things, and, and, and you didn't have to see the C prompt anymore. You could actually just open up and see the Windows environment and work from in there. What was a shame was there was a company called Quarterdeck that already had the Windows thing working, and Microsoft decided to choose, or I'm sorry, uh, IBM chose Microsoft over Quarterdeck, or Windows would have been working a whole lot sooner. They actually had a program that worked when Windows 1 came out. And it took Windows 1, Windows 2, Windows 3, Windows 3.1 before it finally worked. But Quarterdeck had one that worked. I don't know what IBM was thinking. I, I don't know what that was. But anyway, getting back to patience. Way back then, we used to have a thing in the Internet. I don't even know if they make it anymore. It's called dial-up. And, you know, you'd, uh, you'd click on American Online was a big one for that. You know, you, they had the, you know, you got mail thing. And, but, you know, we had all the sounds down. And you'd hear the sounds, you know, the, the dial tone and then through the computer speakers. And then you'd hear the connecting, you know, uh, yeah, you got all those different sounds that would come out. And then finally you hear the stream that you're looking for. Oh, yeah, that's it. We got it. And then it would go away. You wouldn't hear it anymore. And then you were connected on and you had Internet access. 
But, of course, the Internet access back then was extremely slow. But that was okay. You had Internet access. And even though it took an hour to download a picture, I could download a picture. This was great. But now it can sometimes take us up to three minutes to download a picture. I can't believe how long I've got to wait for this thing. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And we boot up our computers. And it takes sometimes 30 seconds, 45 seconds. As the computer ages, maybe take a minute. And that minute seems like an hour, doesn't it? And we begin to become impatient. I want this now. And Internet access got faster and faster and quicker and quicker. And we just keep expecting, you know, when I push the button, something should happen now. (laughs) Not wait. I don't want to see the progress thing. Um, this thing is downloading. I don't want to see nothing about that. I remember having the, one of those dial-up things, and we had to download a program. Something for it was a big program. It was going to take several hours to download the program. It wasn't that it was that big by today's standard, but again, it was dial-up. And you know, you had to have several hours not only of internet connection but unbroken internet connection. And if anything happened along the course of that that broke the internet connection or just something happened, you started all over again. So sometimes we've got to remember those days when we become impatient <laughs> with our modern computers, right? <laughs> just think of how it used to be. It's not that way anymore. Oh. But patience. We want things now. I don't want to wait. You know, we don't, we don't want to wait for the charcoals to heat up, so we have gas barbecues now turn the dial there it is we don't want to wait for dinner so we have microwaves and i mean we know it's getting bad when we think the microwave is too slow and so now they've even come up with other things they got those dome cookers you know they're supposed to be really fast in 30 minutes your dinner is thawed and ready so we're, we're losing the patient war because we're, we're we want everything now it, it needs to be here now not waiting. I don't like all this stuff. I mean, I, how many of you, how many have gotten on board with Easy Pass? Man, I'll tell you, the only people who don't have Easy Pass are the people who not, have not had it. I'm pretty convinced. Once I got hold of that sucker, I said, I don't care how much you charge me a month. This thing is worth it. <laughs> I'm going on by that 476 interchange over there, over there, and I'm watching all them people stand in line. I got the high speed line. I'm going through at 55, 55. <laughs> Miles per hour, right on through there. And I mean, going down to the shore for a delivery on the Atlantic City Expressway, holy cow, what is the speed limit there? I am chugging right on through. I am not stopping. They don't give the report anymore for the dollar tolls. You remember, remember them doing that? The delay at the dollar tolls is one hour, hour and a half. There used to be a delay. You'd have to wait to get through the dollar tolls. You know what I mean by the dollar tolls? Well, I think there are two dollar tolls now, but the dollar tolls. Because the line was huge to get through there. Because everybody had to go through and give them their dollar. Of course, some people give them $5 and they have to get change. And every person had to go through. But now that we got at least half the people going through the fast lane, they're just driving. And so you look over at that line. There's not that many people in the line anymore. And they don't give the report on the news about how long the delays are. Because easy pass. I was going somewhere yesterday in delivery. And they have this uh, exit. It's only for people with easy pass. No one else could get on and say, ha, 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 I got one. <laughs> I got one connected to my credit card. They just charged the stuff for it. And I don't even think about tolls anymore. 
Oh, man, is that good. But patience, isn't that kind of changing us? Because we're becoming impatient. If I had to, what do you mean i got to wait in line? What do you mean you don't have easy pass? I have one. There needs to be a lane. I don't want to give you a quarter. I want to drive. But, you know, they still have some of those ones where you have to slow down. I get my, I find myself, oh, I gotta slow down to 15 miles an hour to go through this thing. So you know you're getting a little bit of trouble with that. We're not having a whole lot of things to work out our patience. Because the way that you get uh, something acclimated is you, you work it out. You know, if you wanna build muscles, then you gotta go out there and lift weights. If you lift weights, what happens to your muscles? You get sore. Until you start lifting muscles for a while, or lifting the weights for a while, and your muscles get used to it. Second Thessalonians 1 4. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So he says to the Thessalonians, you know, you guys have got great patience with your faith as these persecutions are coming against you. You're not letting it affect you. People are coming. They're trying to beat you into submission. They're trying to get you through peer pressure, through laws to quit following God. You're not doing it. You are through patience. You are believing that what you have set your hope on is coming. He said, he's commended us. I'll talk about you all over the place. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Well, Jesus Christ, what patience he had, right? Going through the, trib- the, the cross, being beaten. And what did he say about it? Nothing. Just was beaten, nailed to the cross. He could have stopped it. That's patience. When you could have stopped the thing and keep on going. So he's a good example of that. We can have that patience. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. This is where he wants to go. Patience is important. But see, the atmosphere that we are in is creating impatience. Impatience. We have cars now that go in excess of 60 miles an hour. Used to be when cars came out, people were happy they went 15. They go 60 miles an hour down the road. And we have somebody who cuts us off and we lose a second or two in our travel. And what do we do? Can't believe that person did that. Oh, man, they cut me off. Don't you get in front of me. That's my spot. Right? Because now you are a whole car length behind. Now, in a time thing, how much time going 60 miles an hour, does it take to travel the length of a car? <laughs> Why do we get so upset? <laughs> I mean, I know it. I get that. I'm in that atmosphere too. We're over there on the Schoolkill Expressway and you're in, you know, kind of close traffic and here comes this person over here and they want to, you got three feet in front of you and they want to in. You're not getting in here show you my truck is bigger than your little <laughs> uh-huh see we we can get into that atmosphere and we lose patience is that the patience of christ it's the wrong kind of thing see it's going to change us we don't want to do that first Th- timothy 6 verse 10 for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee those things and pursue righteousness. Not one that we're getting into today, but you could. Godliness, faith, love, patience, 
gentleness. You've got to pursue these things. There is a patience out there that is spiritual. There's a patience that's of Christ, and you need to pursue it. In order to pursue patience, you have got to be put into situations, tribulations, persecutions, opportunities for your faith to seem like it's not working, for which you say, no, I will patiently pursue and I will wait. And as you build up your strength there, then you can build up your strength to do other things. But it's that building up of stuff. That's what you got to do. You know, anybody who's going to run a marathon, you don't just decide to wake up. You know what? I'm going to run a marathon today and I'm going to do all right. No, you got to start out running one mile and then running two miles and then running three miles and then running four miles. And then you got to keep running. You got to keep going. You got to you got to get out there. You got to run. You got to. Now, some people I know are more cut out for running than other people are. Some people are more cut out for swimming. Some people are more cut out for sitting. Driving, <laughs> flying, yeah, stuff like that. We like these other uh, forms. That's, I, I, I like swimming, but I'm not cut out for swimming. That's, I just don't, I don't have that love for swimming. I, walking's okay, but I really don't like walking. Bike, I tried cycling. Cycling's okay. I like cycling better than the other ones, but I don't love cycling. For me, my love was running. And you could not take those if, running shoes off me. I loved running. I wanted to go everywhere and run. But you didn't get up to that level. You didn't get up to that place where you could run 10, 15, 20 miles just because you decided to. You had to build endurance. You had to build yourself up to it. And God is saying, you are going to need some patience to work with that faith because the devil is coming along with some tests and some trials down the road and you won't be able to hold up. I want you to hold up. So get the workout. Here's the workout. Do this now. We're talking about that on Wednesday night. About getting in the, before, before you have consequences, get in there and get some practice in. Hebrews 6, verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. There's a diligence to showing this, the full, there's a diligence to the full assurance of hope staying until the end. There's patience. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, how many of you ever started on a diet because you, this diet promised you that if you did this diet, you would have uh, uh, loss of weight, increased energy, uh, better memory, um, lower cholesterol, better blood, whatever it was. You got on a diet and it was making some kind of a promise to you. You didn't get on it for one day. If you did, there's another word to describe you. We won't talk about that right now. But if you, if you got on there and you, you were pursuing certain benefits in your body by doing whatever the diet was, and if you tried it for a week, well, I'm not really seeing anything going on here. I've been on this for a week. You can become kind of sluggish. Well, I know this isn't really on my diet, but I really want a pizza. I really want a McDonald's milkshake or Wendy's Frosty. And you go out there and you, you get one. And see, you become a little sluggish. You're not quite holding on to it as, as good. And, of course, then if you were going to see any results, you're not now because you <laughs> kind of veered off of it. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You want to inherit the promises? Go model yourself after these people. And Hebrews gives us a bunch of them. 
Model yourself after them. Abraham waited 25 years for that baby. Joseph waited how many years until he became king? Or not king, but ruler of the land. Don't become sluggish. You stay with it. But outward pressure tries to make us sluggish. Here's the, here's the next one. I really think all five of these are in order. I, I, don't, I can't move any of these things around. But here's one that I think is the fifth most important thing in the Christian walk. And that's thankfulness. In Psalms 100, verse 4 and 5, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Now, I pulled two verses out of here. Is it bolded on your outline? Yeah, it's done that way. So did you go back there and read the stuff that went before and the stuff that went after because I couldn't pull it all out. But it all helps. So I'm picking this up mid-sentence, okay? But I've warned you about that. Go on back and read the rest of it. Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Don't you think of all the things that you ought to pull out about these, these guys? You ought to talk about their love. You ought to talk about their faith. You ought to talk about their hope. You ought to talk about their patience. But what's the thing he talks about? Thankful. Thankful. You will notice this. People who get off in this area, you're going to be able to spot them easily because of their thankfulness. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be... Thankful. Now, we spent a whole series on this, this word. And rightfully so, because it is extremely important that we, we, we do this. And then we walk this way. Now, I want to get into the example part. We gave you all the different teachings from this thing. I want you to get you into some examples where you can see some of this stuff going on. And we're not going to read these scriptures, but you can go back on through. And if you want to, go back tonight when you're home. And sometime when you have some extra time, I want you to read the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then if you have some time afterwards, you can read the book of Joshua. And you can, but otherwise, we're just going to summarize. <laughs> just, to, just to have it move along. Otherwise, you know, we'll be here for a little bit longer. But look at Israel. After, they deli- after God delivered them, gave them riches. How did he give them riches? In Egypt, they, they said, look, leave. Here's our gold. Please go. And so they left with all kinds of gold, all kinds of riches, all kinds of stuff. So he delivered them from Egypt. They gave them riches, food, water. When they had no food, manna came down from heaven. Quail came and were blown in and they ate the quail. Water came out of rocks. They had protection. They had protection by a cloud that protected them from the heat during the day. They had a protection from the cold and a fire that burned over them at night. They had protection from God, from their enemies. I mean, if you came up to a group of people and you saw this cloud following them, you might wonder about it. And then at nighttime, when you saw that cloud turned into a pillar of fire and it stayed over them thinking, this is not normal. And you heard stories about how the Red Sea opened up and swallowed up the Egyptians and let them get on through. Hmm. We might want to leave these people alone. There's protection over them. He gave them protection. He gave them health. It said when they left Egypt, there was not one feeble among them. And they weren't dying out there of any diseases. Even their stuff didn't wear out. I mean, where are you going to get a new pair of sandals out in the wilderness? 
You can't go over to the DSW. Or uh, what's another shoe store? Payless? They don't have them out there. You know, they might have them in the cities, but they didn't have them out there in the, uh, in the wilderness. And so the shoes you got are the shoes you're wearing. The clothes you got, the clothes you're wearing. There's no place to buy stuff. They didn't wear out. Word of God even made mention about that. And as he was leading them into the promised land. But all this while, when this is going on, how many of you know this, this is an aspect that they're missing? They were not thankful. They were not grateful for what God was doing. And if, if Satan can get you into a place where you are not grateful, where you are not thankful, he can use that as a place to pull you into all sorts of stuff. They love themselves and not God or their leaders. They love themselves first. When the problem came up, who did they get mad at? Got, got mad at God and they got mad at Moses and their leaders that they had. Every time that something happened that was inconvenient for them, they got mad at God and got mad at Moses. Their faith remained in the provision through Egypt and never moved over to the faith in God. I'll tell you what, folks, you've got to get a hold of this because these folks mimic what's going on in this country way too much. Way too much. And the more you, when you go through tonight and you read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then with the extra time you have after dinner, Joshua. When you do that, you'll see it firsthand. But these folks went on, on through. And how many times do they say this out of their mouth? When they faced no food, when they faced no water, when they faced strife, when they faced problems, what came out of their mouth? Let's go back to Egypt. Back there, we had plenty to eat. We had all kinds of leeks and garlics and, and all sorts of stuff. And we weren't ever hungry out there. Oh, you got you got to get a hold of this one. I hope you get a hold of this one. When they became dependent on Pharaoh for their needs, they didn't have to have faith to believe. They didn't have to have patience. They didn't have to have hope. All that stuff is out the window. They don't have to have any of that anymore. They just sit there, and when they showed up to work, they had their lunch break. Now, do you think Pharaoh was was, uh, feeding them a whole lot? I don't think he was feeding them a whole lot. They were slaves. They they got enough to get them going, to keep them working, but that's about it. I don't think they were getting filet mignon. They were getting garlic. They were getting onions, but they probably weren't getting, you know, any of the real good stuff. But it's amazing how much we remember when we go back. And well, let's just go back to that. That was good. The people in this society, and this over the last course of uh, uh, during President Obama's uh, presidency, food stamps. I believe the number has almost doubled. It was actually going down, but I believe it has almost doubled. They changed the welfare laws so that because there was a work requirement that was put under the Clinton administration in which people had to make an effort to work or actually do some work or get something done, and the numbers of people on welfare were dropping down. Now, I'm not saying that people on welfare are mimicking these folks. What I'm saying is that they try to cultivate this attitude. Maybe not the the government leaders themselves, but this spirit of Antichrist wants this dependency, and there's a reason for it. Because if he can get you dependent to where you have no hope in God, no faith in God, no patience to endure any kind of tribulation, all you, all you have is this. There's a change that goes on. Now, when welfare and all those kind of programs came up and people received housing and they received money 
for things. How many of y'all know they were grateful for a while? Now, what happened to those folks after a little time? You correct me if I'm wrong, but how many of you know some folks who've been on it for years? And if it comes late, what do they do? If it's late today, stall going government people, keeping my money. Right? Have you ever heard that come out of somebody's mouth? Yeah. Wait, keeping whose money? Is that your money? What'd you do for it? So you can't talk like that to anybody because they're going to get offended. But it's not their money. They didn't earn it. It's a welfare check. Other people pulled together to help them out of a tough time. They should be grateful. Thank God that people in this country have pulled together and we have welfare that I can get me through this tough time and they ought to stay grateful. And I'll tell you what, there are people who focus on staying grateful. And those are the people that are going to eventually get off of it. But there are people who have given up on being grateful. And they just have resigned themselves saying, I will live like this and I'll be happy about it. Just because you run into somebody who's on welfare doesn't mean that they fit into this mold. But at least don't label people. Don't go after people for that. No, you stay thankful. Whatever it is that you get, you stay thankful for it. Thank, thank you, God, that this came, that this is there for me. Unemployment, thank you, God, that unemployment is there to help me out while I find a job. But I thank you that you also provided me a job. And, and you, all, you just stay thankful. But the people who don't stay thankful, they'll, they'll watch. You tell me if the, I've, we've, we've worked with a number of them, uh, people that are on these programs and are getting these things, and they got the food stamps, and they go through the line, and they are some of the most obnoxious people going through the line. My wife worked at the grocery store for a little while. She said some of the people come through with that. They were demanding. They would, they would get angry at you at the drop of a hat. This one person came on through. I mean, she was only there for a little while, but this one person came on through with like 100 items through the 15-item line. And was indignant that someone thought that she should move. That's, that's not the right attitude. And if you have that attitude, you are proud. I am who I am. I deserve that welfare check. I deserve those food stamps. Why? <laughs> you are proud. And what does the word of God say that God does with proud people? He resists them. So if the enemy can get you into a place to be proud, he knows God will be against you. Now look at the Israelites. Again, when you go home and you read Exodus, Genesis, or Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then afterwards, Joshua, you will see that these folks became ungrateful and they were proud. How can you be proud and you're a slave to Egypt? But you go through, you look at some of the things they said. They were proud people. Don't you tell me what to do. Who are you to tell me what to do? I don't have to do it that way. <laughs> it's, it's wrong. But they, they put them in a spot and God is going to resist them. Now, the devil knew we get these folks in this, in this way. God's going to resist them. And what happened in the end? God resisted them. You know what? I've decided I'm not going to bless you guys. I'm going to have you guys wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And I'm going to bless your kids instead. Because it shuts off the power of God. The power of God wasn't able to come through. And so, when we have a government that keeps trying to put people on these programs, and I'll tell you, there are some people who need them. I'm not saying that people that are on them don't, there aren't people who don't need them. They are doing some, they are some help for some people. But if you get yourself to the place where I am not thankful for this, 
I deserve it. It should come to me. And I'm going to be angry if anybody tries to take this from me because this is mine. That's wrong. That's not the, the right thing. Don't, don't get into that mentality. Resist the welfare mentality. You got to resist it because it's going to try and get There's an atmosphere that's been created. And if you get pulled in, you're going to become like the Israelites. And I am, I am totally convinced to be under Egypt. I'm content with Egypt bringing me my leeks and my garlics. And they totally lose sight of the fact that Egypt causes them to work day and night for nothing. There is no prosperity that is coming to the nation of Israel as long as they're under Egypt. Because all of the fruit of their works goes where? Goes someplace else. And they just continue on being ungrateful. That's why be on guard against this. We're just taking, taking on the five here. We could be going on and doing more. But we're not going to do that. Now let's go on to the second area. Character is one. It's going to try and change your character. And these are just some of the character issues that it's going to try and affect. Here's the second one. And it kind of ties right in with the first. We don't have to spend much time on this. Ministry. God looks for people of character for ministry. We looked at Timothy over the last couple of weeks. We looked at the qualities that he had for the people in, in leadership. And they were character traits. There were character qualities for them. And God wants certain people. All right, if you're going to be a deacon, if you're going to be an elder, if you're going to be a, uh, whatever it was going to be, here's the qualifications. Here's the things that you need to be doing. Now, do understand this. God does not grade on a curve. God does not look out there and say, all right, you know, I'm looking at all the people here and, well, no one's really measuring up. So we're going to grade on a curve. And even though you got a 50 out of 100, we're going to call that an A and pass you because everybody else was getting 30s and 40s. No, God doesn't do that. God says, no, this is my standard. You either meet it or you don't get there. But we get this idea that God has this thing that says, well, you know what? We need certain ministry things going on. So we'll just let you squeak through. Mm-mm. Doesn't grade on a curve. If you don't get to that place, you don't get it. You don't get what he was calling you into. If people are not ready, they don't step into what God has for them or is calling them to. If you're not ready. Now, some people said there's four kinds of bones in the world. You write, you listen to this and think of it. So, uh, first off, there are wish bones. Uh, those who spend their time wishing someone else would do the work. There are jaw bones. Those who do all the talking, but very little else. There are knuckle bones, those who knock everything that everyone else is trying to do. And then there are backbones, the ones who shoulder the load and do all the work. <laughs> what kind of a bone are you, huh? <laughs> these are the enemy, these are the areas that the enemy affects here in ministry. First off, he's going to affect your ability. It's going to affect your ability. As you develop, as your development is affected, the enemy weakens you. Therefore, you don't have the ability. Our ability comes from being in Christ. Our being in Christ comes from us taking on his characteristics, taking on who he is, walking in his love, walking in his faith, walking in his hope, walking in his patience, walking in his thankfulness, walking in his way. And it increases our ability. So it affects your ability. Number two, it affects your will. Without development, patience, and hope, you won't want to endure the tribulation and the persecution. It's going to affect your your will. You're going to get into some level of ministry for God, doing something for God, and tribulation and persecution are going to come on you, and you will not want to do it. Best example, you went out, you joined the health club in January for uh, New Year's resolution, and you went on out there, and you showed up, and you did the work on the on the first day, and you worked out, and what happened to your to yourself? The next day, you got up, and you were 
Oh, man, you were so sore. You could barely get up and go to work. Oh, it was hard. It was tough. It, 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 did you want to go back out and do it again? You said, and I don't want to do that. That hurt. It takes your will. The persecution, the per- this stuff comes against you. And it takes away your will to want to do ministry. So why in the world should I even get involved in ministry? Why should I try and help other people? Number three, opportunity. You won't step into the call that awaits, nor will you take opportunities that do present themselves for fear of what you lose. It affects your ability, your will, and your opportunities. You won't step into a call that awaits. You won't do it. There's a cartoon character. I mean, some of you may know it. I'm not real familiar with it, but Calvin from Calvin and, and uh, was it Hobbes? Calvin and Hobbes. He once said, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I'm so far behind, I'll never die. <laughs> well, that might be, might be nice if it was true. <laughs> but God wants you to accomplish a certain number of things. But he's, he's not waiting on you. If you don't get to do it, if you don't put yourself in a position to do it, he'll move it on to somebody else. He can do that. Remember the prophet? I am the only one. I'm very, very zealous for the Lord. Killed your prophets. I'm the only one that's left. And God says, you know what? Elijah, I got 7,000 others just like you. If you're done, I can move you out and move one of these other guys in their place. In fact, let's just do that. Go on over there and get Elisha. Anoint him. He's going to take your place. Here's the end part of this. Develop the character traits that God asked for. Develop those character traits. You are going to live in an atmosphere, in an environment that is going to try and keep these traits from being developed in you. Don't give in to it. Don't go after it. Resist the environment that would alter them. Resist the environment that would alter them. And pursue God and ministry to others. Develop the character traits God has asked. Resist the environment that God that would alter them. Pursue God and ministry to others. We are in an environment that does not like truth. We're in an environment that does not like the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're in an environment that if you come against the things that are of the spirit of Antichrist, you are personally attacked. They do not try and attack your facts. They try and discredit you personally. Because of the discredit you personally. And we didn't get, in, get to get into this. But here's another assignment for you. I know you'll be busy today with Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then after that, Joshua. So uh, we won't say that for today. But maybe um, you know, down the, later on in the week, maybe by Friday, you can go into the book of Acts and you can read the story about Stephen. Chapter 7, 6, and 7. How Stephen was called, how he worked in the ministry, and how they came against him. They came against him as a person. They hired people to say, this man said this, this man did this, and none of them would agree. They come against you personally. I've told you before, this president is doing more things motivated by the spirit of Antichrist. He is not Antichrist. I have to say that each time because somebody's going to come away from here thinking, he is not Antichrist. He doesn't qualify. He doesn't come from the right country. He's not in the right place. He's not as good as Antichrist is going to be. He's nowhere near what Antichrist is. But he is motivated by the spirit of Antichrist, as have others been before him. But I've never seen one more given to it than this one. Because at any time, if you come against the principles that they put forth, they come against the person personally with an, like, uh, with an attack I have never seen. 
We've got the news media that is so focusing our attention in other places. Uh, we had the inaugural address, and I, I heard. I did not listen to it. I was not going to subject myself to listening to it. I have a very hard time listening to President Obama's words because I hear the lacing of what's in it, and it irks my spirit. It doesn't irk yours. Maybe, maybe we're just studying on two different things on it, but it irks everything on the inside of my spirit. Now, the atmosphere that has been created is if you come against President Obama, they do not attack the substance of what you say. They call you racist and a bigot. President Obama is just as much white as he is black, but they hide behind it. Why are they hiding behind it? Now, beside that, we had that inauguration, and he put forth some of the worst goals. I've heard some of the goals that he had, some of the worst goals I've ever had laid out for this country. And what was the news media talking about? How somebody lip-synced the national anthem. Is that really our number one concern here? Do we even care? They do that most of the time at the Super Bowl. Does anyone care that they lip-synced? I don't, I don't care that, that whatever her name was, Beyonce, lip-synced at the... There. I don't care if she comes to the Super Bowl and lip-syncs there too. That's not our concern. But see, it's a distraction. Everybody's focusing on this. We're, we've missed the content of what was said. We're, we're, not, we're not messing with that. We've got a nation that overspends by a trillion dollars, has not passed a budget for now almost four years, which is not legal. It is unconstitutional. You cannot do it. And we've done it for four years, almost four years. We aren't focusing on that no, no, we're going to focus on other matters of importance, like fake girlfriends, right? Because this is a, this is a national concern that somebody faked having a... Really? We got stuff going on in foreign policy. We got Iran working on getting a nuclear weapon. What's going on? We got all these things, and we're focusing on a guy with a fake girl. I mean, how many times is this... I don't watch the news, but I, I hear that people are talking... Why is that important? If the guy was, was faked out, I'm, I feel bad for him. If he was part of a conspiracy, does it matter? <laughs> what? Why does it make any difference? But you see, we, the news gets you to focus on things that don't matter so that you don't focus on what does. I refuse to give in to that. I will call this president out the same way I've called any other president out when they step out and they start doing things that are motivated by the spirit of Antichrist or are motivated against the things of God or will cause an atmosphere like we are having being created here today. I will call on it. I don't care what color he is, what nationality is, where he can, whatever that is. It does not matter to me. But the atmosphere is of such that as soon as you do it, <gasps> look at you talked about. Oh, you're a bad guy. No. I won't give in to the pressure. I'll give you the substance on it. You can take the substance. You can go do with it what you want to. I'll give you the substance on it, but I won't stop. Go through the, book, go through the Old Testament. How many prophets were tried to be silenced because they came against the kings? Because they came against the, what was going on during the day. That day. They, they, they gave in to... No. Don't give in to the pressure. I will never tell you folks that you should hate anyone in government. I don't like what they do, but I'm not going to hate them. I'm not going to give in to that. 
That's going against what God says to do. I can come against what they do, but I don't have to hate anybody. That's dividing. That's getting into divisions. We don't need to get into these divisions. We don't need to go in that way. We are not a country of this and that, this group and that group. We are a country founded on the principles of God. We are a country founded on the Bible. We are a country that allows other religions, other people with other religious beliefs to practice without being inhibited. But we are a country founded on the Bible, founded on God, founded on faith in Jesus Christ. We are not a country founded on any religion that you want to believe. We are a country that is founded on the Word of God. Go and look at all of our buildings and see what's inscribed in all of our buildings. It's the Word of God. Look at what our forefathers quoted from. It was the Word of God. We are founded on the Word of God, but we allow religious freedom for anyone of any religion to come and practice. But what's going on is the pressure is, no, we are religious freedom country. Therefore, we can't let Christianity affect us in any way. And that is wrong. That's not how our country was founded. Our country was founded on beliefs that Jesus, the Christ, Son of the living God, came to this earth and died for us. Founded on the Word of God being the authority and the worship of God the Father. Don't be distracted. You can, we could keep on going through the Word of God. There are so many places that you can go. We haven't even touched that. We didn't look at the, uh, the Pharisees and the religious people today. We didn't look at the religious leaders that came against the apostles. We didn't look at the, the people, the Judaizers that came against Paul. But the same spirit is in all of them. And the same traits you will see in all of them. You can study it. And if you see it, you will see just as much going on today. Stand against it. Don't hate the people. But stand against it. You can call it call it out. Oh, yeah, you're going to get some persecution. You're going to get some people upset with you. That's okay. You let them go right ahead. <laughs> We're going to be good. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that we are followers of the Almighty God. That we do not give in to the environment that is being created here today. We are going to guard the character traits that you told us to guard. We are going to pursue them with everything in us. We will recognize the environment that we are in and the pressures that are there to change. But thank God for the people in the Word of God who showed us they did not give in to it. The Daniels, the, the people who stood up to the extreme pressure of the day, the peer pressure the laws, the pressure from leaders. They didn't give in. We know Antichrist is around. The spirit of Antichrist is here. And we'll be trying to influence all sorts of things. But we are here to resist that. We are part of the resistance. But we're part of those who take the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world. Our goal is to be on the defensive or offensive, not to sit around and defend everything. Father, we need to go out there and to preach Jesus. And there are going to be people that are going to be mad at us. There are principles that we stand for that go against some of the leaders of today. But as the apostles said in the book of Acts, is it better for us to obey God or to obey you? And we know the answer to that. We obey God. I thank you for the boldness that we have to stand for your word, but always walking in the love of God, never letting that go. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.